to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. starting the show we had one of those classic podcast false false starts where uh we lost an entire minute and a half but it's really starting now uh so strap in welcome to pod damn america it's time for the podcast that other podcast was lost to time but it's time now to start the show hello i'm jake flores alex patak is here hey everyone i'm alex i've been changed by the other podcast in ways you'll never know anders lee is here Anders Lee here at 8.22 p.m. And Caitlin Bailey, special guest, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We were on a riff that I just had to delete that was about I know. <laughs> uh, being uh, no longer a comedian first, which I think is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got other stuff going on now. Yeah? Yeah, I do. For sure. Doing, doing other things. Doing politics. Uh, starting a production company. Doing oh. the doing the things yeah sure trying trying to change the stories that we tell about sex workers you know and sometimes that's funny and also there are other storytelling tools uh very respectable um it also is a silly question because as you pointed out everyone is no longer a comedian except for like insane people like car wash tony did anyone get friend requested by a guy named car wash tony on facebook like five years ago Uh, it sounds like a feature act I was requested by Tony Brooklyn. Did you ever meet Tony Brooklyn? Oh, I remember him. No. Yeah. No. Remember Noodles? Noodles, the comedian? Did you meet Noodles? Oh, dude, that guy was crazy. No, he was crazy as a bag of noodles, that guy. (laughs) The only people that are still comedians first are like the weird, just third tier, like open mic characters. Like the Jolly Cat is probably still out there. I know we've talked about him a little bit on the show. Um, there's a guy, I got a friend request that I am afraid to answer because I think it would make my life too interesting. I just have a friend request sitting in my inbox from a man simply known as Uptown. And he sounds really cool. (laughs) (laughs) We should have had him on for the sex work episode. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think you're, no, you're thinking of downtown Alex actually. (laughs) Okay. My mistake. Yeah. He's instead of a down, he's on the down low, he's on the up high. That's where you're yeah. extremely gay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> before we get into sex work, um, I just the reason I'm talking about time so much, the reason I have time on the brain, is uh, I went on a trip into the woods with Sean this weekend and some other friends and took a bunch of acid and talked about time abolition a lot, which is already a weird thing to talk about, but on drugs, very fun. Um, have... Any of y'all ever thought about the con? This is in like theory. Like we we did an episode of yeah. Antifada about it. Like Postone talks about it, and it's also in like Marx and stuff. There is this concept where part of the way capitalism controls you is with like that's why we have hours that are demarcated and stuff, and and uh, you know, and the, the the way making you think about time in a certain way literally Ow. takes away like your freedom, right? 
So the answer to this is, I guess, to destroy all the clocks. There have been, like, really obscure <laughs> I mean, factions who have tried to, like, attack clock towers and stuff in the name of this. I don't know. If yeah. we can get Big Ben, that's their king. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a long explanation for why we started late. But uh, I, do, I do remember reading about... Uh, like a part of the, you know, the British colonial empire um, and industrialization was all about like building trains, right? But like trains are one of the first uh, things where like time becomes really specific. So like I, it's especially pronounced when, um, you know, when Great Britain tries to, uh, or does colonialize um, India um, and that like teaching people time or rather forcing time as a construct onto like a nonlinear society was like, a big developmental step before trains could run on time. You know, you had people that were showing like buy a but buy a train ticket and then show up like days or months or weeks. Like like no no risk. Like I, I don't know. It's even hard to talk about it in like a decolonized way. But like yes, this is a real thing. Uh, and the trains and industrialization have a ton fuck ton to do with it. It's a real hard thing to talk about. Um, it's, yeah, but it's it's a real thing. Like before way way back in like hunter gatherer days right you just like existed like you still knew like it was the a day seasons. or it was night or it was yeah. seasons and stuff like that but you didn't have the demarcation and uh you didn't right. and so that's why i've chosen to live personally that's why we started late that's why we're redoing the podcast because i have abolished time in my go. personal life right right jake has been living uh, philosophically consistent with time abolition this entire time we've been doing the podcast yeah, yeah. we have not once respected a clock <laughs> ever i mean i have certainly destroyed i've certainly destroyed clocks the Coldplay song at uh karaoke night uh <laughs> but the thing i can't get past is like Time, I can yes, just it, see you like showing up at a bar and doing the song, being like, "It's time abolition." Get it? <laughs> time abolition. Yeah. That's definitely what he's going for. Because he's, you know, married to. Uh, it's, they're a timeless couple, Martin and Paltrow. I don't know if they're still married or not. I hate you. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the thing I can't get back, like, yes, time is fake, right? The measurement of it, but night is real and the sun is real and it goes up and down and like. Maybe it would be different. We got to have like a different system, but I feel like there's always going to be some way of keeping track of right. so things changing. We talked about this a little bit in the woods yeah. on the drugs, right? And so obviously, like, you can't really uh, uh, um, ascribe all of this to capitalism in one fell swoop because like we were going through everything and trying to figure out like what about like three meals a day is that capitalism too and it's like <laughs> eh, it's more civilization right because yeah. when you started organizing things you had to like eat in the morning before you went out to go on a hunt or something you come back and you refuel and so you start to get these three meals a day but it's always interesting because like i've never eaten like three fucking meals every day that's like not a real thing right but it's a norm and um I, so, like okay here's another example uh, so, like, abolishing time, you Riddle wouldn't, me this. you wouldn't, you know, necessarily, yeah, you would still know it was morning and night, there's a cyclical way that people used to live, right? But we don't live that way anymore, and so we have to deal with this. There's another thing, is, uh, you know, hey, the eight-hour day, the weekend, these are things with which, you know, socialists and anarchists and things like that have been able to fight back against this oppressive use of time, right? Miller uh, time? <laughs> Miller, yeah. Um... 
<laughs> really fun example of this as a concept, you know, of how we ended up demarcating out the the week to like work time and play time or whatever is uh okay so we have a weekend here and in a way the weekend is how they keep us under control because they're like no fuck you you have friday and saturday or whatever theoretically if you work like a nine to five or you have saturday and sunday um but this reaches like extreme like crisis level tension in some places and an example that that's kind of interesting is uh i was reading at one point in japan they had like re- in like Tokyo, they're like really, really, really stringent work hours, and everyone was like way yeah. overworked. So what ha- what happened? They is- love time in Japan. They're obsessed <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they make those goddamn kitty cat clocks. Do they make those there? I don't know. So it's one of Mega Man's villains. Time. What you do in Tokyo, apparently, I don't know how true this is. Tweet at me or whatever. Is like you work all week. You're very formal. Yada yada yada. End of the week you go straight to the bar and you go completely insane. And that's where you get these images of like Japanese businessmen with their ties on their head and stuff. And also you go drink like with your boss and you can like slap him in the face. Like you're like you're equals again outside of the workplace and you can just fucking throw up on each other and be insane. And oh, yeah, I think you're an asshole. But then on Monday you have to respect him again. So there's this weird, see what's going on here, right? Capitalism does stuff to us. It like, it uh it causes us. I mean, it to sounds s- more like alcohol does stuff to us, but uh, I mean, like, yes, I see, <laughs> I see your point. Uh, I think this yeah, one neatly those, folds like... in the time discussion. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. Like, yes, you cannot tear down the master's house with the master's tools, and also, you don't want to be the first person to let go of time because, like, then how are you going to have meetings? You know, it's right, harder it's to like organize. Like a nuke. So right, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. would file time under a techno technological development. So if you're going to get rid of time that, that, and this is when you brought up trains is what made me think of it because mm-hmm. socialists across the board are lining up behind trains. We love trains. Don't we folks? Choo <laughs> choo. <laughs> Watch that steam puff into the sky trains. Uh, well, no. Yeah. So if you're out to destroy time, you're in the same uh, bandwagon of the people trying to destroy all cars to bring back the horse. I just think it's an uphill battle. All right. It is. Yeah. But you know what is interesting though? The uh, you're speaking I mean, of Japan. Uh, what's that? Uh, so I was just gonna say that the environmental apocalypse will take care of all that shit for us. Yeah. So, oh yeah. For sure. You know. We won't have yeah, to think about any of this to... when we're dead. Yeah, yes. you're good. Yeah. Is this the kind of podcast you can smoke on, or would that be inappropriate and disrespectful? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. We have rules here. I, I, look, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm asking. This is informed consent. I want to. I'm. I'm happy to respect your boundaries, whatever they are. I just want to know. We started with we don't believe in time, and you're like, I, can I smoke? <laughs> you have like a digital vape that like goes into our computer and blows the no, smoke on us. Yeah, the CD drive comes out and then it blows smoke in your face. Yeah, no, absolutely. Anders Anders does poppers on the show sometimes. I've done that yeah, a few times. True. Yeah, yeah. He's all I've never done it. It's crazy. He's all uh, jacked up on kratom and shit. No, we we prefer right that you use substances on the show. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about Japan is the prime minister there just stepped down, Shinzo Abe, or he's like gonna soon. Yeah, Ooh. and. He, he is like one of the first prime ministers of Japan who has been in there like a long time. Like usually they're there for 1.5 years. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. they're out because it's like a high pressure fucking cooker job. Uh, but the way he stayed in office so long is he got his party to make their slogan. Um, the tr- English translation is roughly there is no other way. So it's just like we are inevitable, <laughs> and and people stop voting. Slogan. What's that? 
I said that's capitalism slogan. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. it's Thatcher. Thatcher. There is no. Yeah. There is no alternative. Right. Yeah. It is the easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of Shinzo Abe. You know. That's, yeah. <laughs> right. But God, the the work thing made me think of something too because I was uh, phone banking earlier this week for a. I don't want to get the candidate in trouble by admitting that I phone bank for them but Shinzo uh, Abe I, <laughs> he doesn't need your help <laughs> all right Shinzo that, Abe that's doesn't... why he's leaving is because I called too many Japanese people <laughs> yeah. um but I called this this was the saddest phone call I've ever had of any kind and I talked to this older woman who was a widow and she was like Oh, I don't have time to volunteer. I'll vote, but uh, I I go to my job because my husband has passed away, and uh, I I don't know. I don't need to work, but I, if I don't go to work, then I'll start thinking of him, and I'll just get really sad. So I'm just gonna keep working until I die. And then I just like needed to hang up and just take a breather. Like I, my new it was character, so... widowed Nancy Pelosi. I was gonna say every time you do a character, it's just Nancy. I mean, that sounds like the perfect campaign volunteer. I mean, I like, know that's what I wanted to say to her. Energy. I know I should have said that, but I was just too demoralized. Yeah. Dedicate your life to this campaign. Yeah, <laughs> you can fill the void. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's better or worse than dedicating your life to whatever the wage is. I, I, I hope that she's doing something she loves. I do. I I I hope not. that she's really not. Yeah, it's she uh, tames awful. horses, wild horses. It's a if that's job. her job, then hell yeah. Actually, I don't know. That might be inhumane, but she, that sounds <laughs> like you a job you only do if you're into that. You know who else has a weird job? Did you know? Um, do you guys know that Thailand has a king? They just have like a, you know, not like they're not ruled by a king. They're like, you know, the UK or something. Or like a ceremonial. Yeah. He's like a for fun king. Yeah, yeah. But he's uh he's like a he's a dirtbag. He's like um he's great. Nice. Fucking Google him. So they have this guy that's just walking around that has he had like a mullet for a long time and he it's illegal there to be mean to him to like make fun of him and stuff. You just get like thrown in jail if you. <laughs> trash talk this guy and so because he has this immunity from anyone criticizing or making fun of him he has no self-awareness and he wears like sports like women's sports bras as like a top like he wears like crop tops and shit there's always great pictures of him walking around and like no one's allowed to be like you're this is weird so he thinks it's like this macho thing <laughs> to do thrown in jail <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he also has he... a concubine who is a woman who's a fighter pilot, <laughs> and they nice. they just walk around. He's got a full sleeve of tattoos. He looks like a hipster from, like, 2009. He's got, like, the roses and shit. He fucking rules. Dude, that's wow. the fucking highest level of confidence to be like, if you're going to have sex with me, you got to know how to pilot at 600 miles an hour, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm a complex machine. Wait, is that a job requirement, or did he just happen to fall... For a fighter pilot, I would love it. Like, I mean, there must have been like some audition process. I guess somebody that, yeah, you up, can't be right? colorblind like, and date him. 
I don't actually know. <laughs> and I started reading right. about this because I noticed something really weird in the news a couple weeks ago, which is that in Thailand there are these protests against the government where uh, people are dressing up like Harry Potter characters. And so there's this weird, like, what, did they get that from us? Or like, what the fuck is going on? And I started reading about it. I don't know that much, but someone did suggest that we do like a deep dive. So there, maybe we'll read about Thailand soon because it sounds like shit's really bonkers over there. But um, I thought that that might be an interesting way to segue into talk about sex work because, you know, we did an episode uh, like a long time ago, a couple years ago at this point or something, uh, behind the paywall, if you're interested in listening to mm-hmm. this sort of stuff, about um, great ad. Alexandra Kollontai and the just oh, yeah. the history of where the family unit comes from and monogamy mm-hmm. and yeah. just the whole fucking thing, uh, sex at dawn, all that crazy shit. Um and the, so it's kind of funny that there's a guy with a concubine walking around. Uh, concubine, I said concubine. I don't know, that sounds like a concubine with a day job, though. Like, is she a sex worker or is she just this dude's girlfriend? I guess she's a fighter pilot for her day job. I don't know. I mean, right? Like, yeah. If you're the king, I feel like you don't need. If you're dating the king, you don't need a second job. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a hobby, but uh, we'll see. I don't I mean, know. It's, it's interesting. Like, you know the the courtesans or the the long term companions or the like the Melania Trumps of the world, right? Have always sort of existed in like a different space than uh, than other sort of like workaday sex workers. Like I don't want to play too much hierarchy here, but I feel like long term <laughs> long term relationship of uh, the only man in a country it's illegal to make fun of is like a a radically different thing than say your OnlyFans hustle uh, or the mm-hmm. uh, right rate. Well, it's yeah. one of those things, though, where people don't realize, like, no, there is an entire, like, uh, spectrum in here. And so it, when I you think, talk about sex work, yeah, you're not well, really talking about everyone, like, being the same position or whatever, right? One of the greatest quotes uh, I read recently is that, like, Hollywood actresses are so high up on the hierarchy, they don't even know they're a part of it. That uh, rules, yeah. Mm. Right, yeah, mm. which, like, takes us, I think, nicely into uh, Bella Thorne's awkward uh, effort to further blur those lines uh and the the damage done in the wake of her uh ignorant choices yeah let's wrap Bella uh... Thorne. can ahead. i just can we do a round robin before before we get into it did anyone know who this was before she made an only fans i did not no uh, no, I mean, okay. enough, not, enough people yeah. enough people knew who she was that she made a million dollars in her first week on OnlyFans. You know, like you don't right, do right, that right, without right. a platform, right? Sure. Oh no, but she like, definitely has yeah, one. No. We're just old because she was yeah. a Nickelodeon actress. <laughs> she was. I see her. She was born in 1997. So Jesus. No. Oh no. I don't like that. The young person. <laughs> where do I? Where's this OnlyFans? Uh, no. Um, she's gonna clean her act up and date the king. I yeah. I don't I just, I just don't King. I don't know fucking like pop culture shit. I, I don't know who Billie Eilish was when she came out, and then she had like a million followers. So like this is a me problem, not a like I'm sure this yeah. is a famous person. But um, I, can we round that story up a little bit to, for anyone that's unclear yeah, in the details? Deal? What exactly happened with Bella Thorne, and why did uh, it sort of yeah. affect the sex work world last week? Yeah, and and and, and I want to be careful in the way that we tell this story because I think it's really easy. It's going to be really easy to like pile on to this this child. You know, like Bella Thorne is a young actress. She's been an actress her whole life. Actresses, uh, actors, theater people, whatever, have been doing stupid things for their entire life. I think though, but not their entire life. I'm sorry. What I mean to say is like, 
I don't know, actors are allowed to make mistakes. People are allowed to make mistakes and be dumb. I think the real blame here rests on OnlyFans and the larger context of internet companies being incentivized to push out sex workers, right? Mm. So Bella Thorne is, uh, is an actress with uh, a large following. Um, she's made, uh, she produced a porn a while back um, and has made it uh, as verbally stated that one of her missions is to decriminalize sex work or you know, destigmatize sex work, which I'm on board with. Uh, but in her sort of clumsy and out of touch way of doing that, she created an OnlyFans uh, at a time during a global pandemic when a lot of in-person sex workers from strip clubs or full service escort work have sort of flooded the online market, right? There's a lot of people who are doing online sex work right now that have never done online sex work before. And mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, you know, this is also in the wake of SESTA-FOSTA, which is a law that Donald Trump signed um, in April of 2018 that uh, changed uh, Article 230 on the internet and essentially made it third-party platforms problem to police prostitution on their site. So Craigslist Erotic Services disappeared, Rentboy disappeared, Backpage disappeared. All of these platforms that sex workers had been using to uh, to meet and negotiate with their clients went away. So you're, you're it, it's a dangerous and volatile time, I think, to be anyone right now in this country, but especially so for sex workers who are not like eligible for PPE loans. And they, there's a lot of different kinds of discrimination. So Bella Thorne sort of waltzes into this space as an already pre-established actress and like makes a cool million overnight. That in and of itself wouldn't have been a problem. Like, you know, sure, jealousy, sure, you know, uh, people waltzing in, but like this is how we feel about people that got famous for other shit, like coming into comedy clubs. Right, right. Yeah. Like it's not actually a problem. You know, you can throw shade, but like that's not a problem. Like the you problem... personally resent that person, but like the structure, the system right. is the problem. Exactly. And so the the real issue or the 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 actual mistake that she made was she uh, there's a there's a uh, thing on OnlyFans where you can charge people to open a message. So after she made her million, after she got all of her fans like signed up for this, she sent out a fraudulent message that was like, "These are naked pictures. You should click on them, and I'll be naked in them." And people paid two hundred dollars to open those photos, and they weren't nudes. So that triggered. Uh, a huge number of people uh, retracting their money or going into OnlyFans to be like, hey, I've been defrauded, which is something that OnlyFans is set up to do. Now, before the Bella Thorne incident, uh, sex workers used to, got, uh, used to get paid every week. They got their money every week, which is super important, especially for people who are living like on the edge to get their money right away. And there was no limit to how much you could charge for content or how much someone could tip. In the immediate aftermath of this, like, technological clusterfuck brought by her platform and bad choices and and you know weirdness with nudity like everyone is allowed to have their own boundaries online but like defrauding people is different you should you shouldn't lie about it you can just say like i don't feel comfortable being naked on the internet which is allowed uh she um they put a uh, hundred dollar cap on um on t or a fifty dollar cap on tipping and now everyone is having their payments processed every 30 days uh, instead of every week to like give OnlyFans time to sort of deal with this issue. And it contributes to this larger cultural narrative that like sex workers are hucksters and hustlers and uh, are out to like get your money as opposed to every other worker in the United States that's doing it for mm -hmm. the, the passion yeah. in, their, in their heart. 
Yeah. So it's like a contributor into a bunch of like porphobic stigmas, actively hurting the livelihood of sex workers during a time when everyone in that industry is in a fucking panic. And then her apology. I'm sorry, this is probably not the simple recap you wanted. But no, 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 this is started. what I wanted. Do the apology. Uh, yeah, Do the her, apology. Her, her apology was, OMG, so sorry, I was uh, studying for a movie. And it's like, well, first of all, uh, if you're trying to study for a role, hire sex workers to consult with them. Don't go, like, take two and a half million dollars from our pool during a desperate time, right? Like, just talk to one of us. We're, we're very reachable. Uh, and two... Um, the person that she said that she was doing the film with was like, nope, we're not working together. She approached me with this and I told her to talk to sex workers and instead she pulled this bullshit because she's, she's born in 1997. How old is she? Is she even old to drink yet? Like, someone uh, do the yes. math. How old is no, she actually? No, that would be 20. She'd be 21. No? Yeah, okay. So she's a stupid 21-year-old. Right. All right, she's a stupid 23-year-old making stupid 23-year-old choices and not listening. Yeah. Uh, she's too busy yeah. exercising those rights to drink. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's actors yeah. are ridiculous. The way they'll just show up and be like, "I'm researching a role. Don't you know? Don't worry about me." Uh, if they're yeah, they're almost like as silly as royalty. It's like it's almost <laughs> like similar dynamics are happening in that. Yeah, yeah. It's very like let them eat cake sort of shit. Like you don't even understand what it's like to live as someone who would. It's need the same thing they dance. do with stand up too. Yeah. Yeah. The way they treat stand-up. Very offensive. Well, they're just dabbling in it, and it's offensive to us because we're using it to, like, try to right. work and stuff like that. And exactly. so, like, exactly. you know, Bella Thorne is, like, a Jeremy Piven or something. Where, like, right, exactly. Taking up stage time from people that, like, actually, you know, really want to be there and respect the craft. And then on top of it, they're like, ah, come see my jokes. And then they just, like, shit in a box. And it's like, ah, oh, comedians are always shitting in boxes instead of telling jokes. It's like, no, nah, it's just this asshole. And right. it's sort of like that. But they don the noble cap of the clown, but do not ride home in the small car. <laughs> See? You get it. But like Jeremy Piven or like Steve-O or something like that, uh, ultimately the problem is systemic or, or structure. Uh, because, you know, if we lived in a society that just took care of people, then you wouldn't be scarcity yeah. among artists. Yep. You would just, it wouldn't matter that Jeremy Piven wants to do stand up because you could just do True. it without it needing to be right. like a career, and, the way to pay your bills and stuff like that. And I, and I feel like the decriminalization of prostitution is like a philosophical key that opens many of these doors. Right. Because it's like, People that have a problem with people doing prostitution in order to get, or any kind of sex work, in order to get their survival needs met, think that they have a problem with prostitution when in fact they have a problem with exploitation, right? Nobody should have to do that, but like nobody should have to work in a slaughterhouse or a coal mine or any other horrible for you job in order to get their survival needs met. But, right. you know, I, I do not believe that like in a uh, maybe I'm going to use the wrong words here. Forgive my, you know, lack of economic theory, but like a, a socialist utopia where nobody has to do labor in order to get their needs work. I still think that sex work exists. I think right. like brothels, well, theaters, and churches all share a common ancestor, and there are people that are like drawn to this work that let's, like choose mm, to do it. Let's open this can of worms because this is one of yeah. those issues that like no one even in like left shit really agrees on it's not something you can just refer back to very simplistically you know Marx said this or whatever there's all these different mls think one thing and like other people think another thing or whatever but ultimately right. 
That's like also it's been a lot of men talking, so okay. it makes sense that they've continued to ignore sex workers. That's honestly why I was I wanted to read originally about Alexandra Kollontai because she she was ultimately anti sex work, but uh, she was like the only female member of the Central Committee in Soviet Russia, and uh, was the only person who really thought really at length about how the family unit plays into all this, which is a thing that you know plays into how society is set up and how what a utopia would look like and so you know you do it's socialism you still do have a lot of people that are like yeah okay so everything gets redistributed worker-wise or whatever but you still do my laundry like it's just inherently because you're right. coming from like a male point of view and you still are indoctrinated even if you think if you're a fucking time abolition stuff, it's not labor sorry no, no yeah right there's looking labor within and, like the household and stuff like that yeah and i i, I do yeah, and I, I, I do think that there's, like, a lot of, you know, like, radical feminist theory that comes out of, like, sex work and, like, thinking about sex work. You know, like, um, suffrage in this country was first won by sex workers out west. Um, sex workers were some of the largest property owners. They were able to sort of, like, attain uh, social status. They were able to go into public spaces, right? Like, public woman is an old euphemism for sex worker because only a woman with no virtue to protect could like fully participate in public life, right? When this like mm. sheltering. Um, and thinking about, you know, if you if you aren't paid for it, then it isn't labor. It's like, okay, well, you know, the laundry, housework, that's one thing. Adding sex and intimacy to that, it it rubs people a lot of wrong ways, but I think it's an important angle at which to look at uh, the way that we conceive of labor and the way that we think of um, payment and like other other financial structures, but like sex work has been a way that all kinds of people have changed their economic circumstance. Um, a lot of sex workers think of themselves as sort of like anti-work radicals, right? Like rather than slaving away at wage jobs, I'm getting my needs met through sex as like a kind of like sex magic and like able to dedicate my life to activism or art or like other forms of unpaid labor that they truly love. I mean, it's it's right. just really, really complicated. Like how I'm a all personal people... time abolitionist, right. and that's how I get my needs met. Right. right. Um. Yeah. So I, I guess a couple of things kind of jump out at me when I think about this because there's uh there's this question of utopia whenever people talk about this sort of stuff. We live right now in a mess, right? But then we're always talking about what things will look like if we fucking overthrow the government and you know set up everything to be, uh, you know, fair and equal or whatever, right? And so mm -hmm. some people will argue, well. You know, if that actually happened, which is a point on the horizon we won't reach within our lifetimes, probably, you know, if that happened, then you would never have to go as far as to, like, sell your body for sex or whatever. But there might be a problem with that a point of view, because there's still, like, positions in which people might want to do something like sex work. And you might go, well, but you wouldn't need to do it to make money, right? But the thing is... We've, as we've discussed, labor is not always just things changing or where money's changing right. hands. Like Hollywood, right. like you're saying, is like people still do. You're, people still have sex for reasons other than like 100 percent virtue, like all the fucking time. Right. Mm -hmm. So this sort of thing might still live in a utopia. But there's also, you know, we probably we're arguing about something that like won't. Like it's it's a necessity for living right now. So you know what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Why are we applying like this? Yeah, I don't I I don't think that like any any radical like socialist uh, ought to be spending their time first eradicating prostitution <laughs> and then achieving uh, economic equality. It's like you know different people are going to make different choices. Uh, all kinds of people do sex work for all kinds of different reasons. 
right? I think that taking away economic necessity helps so many people achieve so much. It's not about eradicating prostitution. It's about eradicating the desperation that leads to so much of this fucking mess. And I think like talking about the decriminalizing prostitution opens up a lot of conversations with folks that maybe can't hear these messages in other ways. Like as a, you know, as a political operative, I spend a lot of time in conservative circles engaging people on this issue. And I can get a lot of people to like, hey, arresting consensual adults for doing grown up things with each other is wrong and not helping. And it's like, oh, well, maybe we can't arrest our way out of this problem. It's like, oh, there are problems we can't arrest our way out of, you know, like what what people, uh, what trafficking victims need um, are the same thing that domestic violence victims need. And it's not more carceral solutions. We're never going to put enough bad people away to eradicate this kind of exploitation. You have to give people uh, alternative ways of meeting their survival needs, which is different from shaming people uh, or calling them, you know, false conscious zombies or whatever <laughs> yeah. for, you know, doing their best with what they have in the moment. Where do you stand on the legalization or decriminalization question? Because I've heard uh, some people think that decriminalization is actually the better it is. move for, for sex workers. But does that, you know, possibly uh, in, increase risks with, you know, the, sure. uh, exploitative I, bosses? Why would or... that one be better? What? But there's the idea is that you can have labor protections is the is the big idea. But I think that this is kind of a, a naive way of looking at things. Um, mm. Like sex work is work, but it is also sex. And I think that oh, we nice. don't have a lot of good examples of regulatory structures that end up actually benefiting uh, like the disenfranchised, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, legalization is a dystopian nightmare that really only benefits brothel owners. And we can see this in Nevada, right? So Nevada is the only uh, state in the union with legal regulated prostitution, and it has the highest arrest rate per capita for prostitution. Because the only way to work legally in Nevada is to get hired by a brothel, right? So you better be a cis hot chick, Right. You have to register with the local sheriff and get get your legal prostitution card that becomes subpoenable for the rest of your life. So you can imagine how that plays out in custody battles, for example. Uh, you have to work for some dude. Right. We all saw the Dennis Hoff. It's like the Dennis Hoffs of the world are the good old boys that have the political connections and the financial capital to uh, to build these brothels and to pay for the licensing fees. You have to give half your money to the house. And in addition to that, you have to follow a bunch of different state, county, city, and brothel ordinances. Uh, you have to get mandatory SCD tests every two weeks, um, which you have to pay for and then become publicly available. So you become like a second class citizen. It's not, uh, we haven't seen legalization models that are grounded in worker protections. You see legalization models that try to protect society from the infection of uh of sex workers either literally or figuratively so the first the first i'm sorry do you mind if i like just nerd out please that's, that's the show okay. baby so like 
The first, so the first effort to regulate prostitution in this country happened during the Civil War in Nashville, which was, was occupied by Union forces. And this general uh, noticed that, uh, you know, like ST, STIs were a, a big issue, um, as they have been for all wars the whole time. Uh, and he decided that he was just going to ship out, like get rid of the prostitutes in Nashville. And so he put them on a boat. It was called the USS Idaho, which I think is funny because <laughs> it's got the word ho in it. Uh, and sent it um, upriver. Um, and like, by the way, just like the further racism of the time. So the Union general only rounded up uh, the white sex workers that he could find because he didn't think that uh, non-white sex workers uh, would be uh, tempting enough to his, uh, to his soldiers. That was his rationale wow. on that. Uh, right, wow. so he load them all up in a boat, uh, sent them up river. Bunch of them died. None of the other cities would like take this boat, and eventually oh. there was like a mutiny of the sex workers, and they like took over the boat, took it back to Nashville. At what? At which point the general was like, "I give up. You're all just getting cards, and we'll check you for venereal disease." But this is like wow. 1862. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Checking for venereal disease. Oh, it's like what is that even? Right? Yeah. That another huge belief that I think informs a lot of sex work legislation and is still with us today is like the misogyny of medicine. Like people believed and taught in medical school that only women spread venereal disease, that men didn't do it. Uh, the American plan during the American theater of World War I uh, empowered local law enforcement to round up promiscuous women in order to protect uh, soldiers who were stationed at bases before they were being shipped off to World War I uh, from venereal disease. Um, this is the same time where other countries are just handing out condoms, but we like wouldn't do that. Instead, we arrested women who looked promiscuous and are made the wrong kind of eye contact uh, with cops. So like, I'm sorry, all of and that that's is a what long Nelly Furtado's effect. song is about. <laughs> huh? Promiscuous girl, you teasing me? No, I never. But heard it's it. all. It's a all, real fucking song. <laughs> my my answer to because I think that there's a lot of like very well-meaning labor activists that think of workplace regulations as being um, a win for workers, and in uh -huh. many cases that is true. But we don't. We live in a horphobic society. And I think it's impossible to think of, it's, it's impossible for me to believe that the form that any of those regulations would take would benefit sex workers instead of brothel owners or potentially clients or potentially a horphobic society that just wants to keep them out of sight, out of mind. Like in Nevada, women that work in brothels are not allowed to go into town to drink. Like if, mm. if they leave the brothel and come back, they have to be tested for an STD again. It's, and they're not like, Literally, if, if people know that they're working in a brothel and they're seen in a bar, they can be arrested for being off the premises. These are not worker-friendly rules. Yeah. I mean, it, also it, seems, it also seems like the more politically shrewd argument would be like, what legalization? What? Oh, don't go crazy. We're not right, yeah. you know, condoning this. We uh, we just want to decriminalize. Yeah. yeah. I think we, we need get like the a best eight can't wait like for <laughs> sex work we eight can't come. We get the best <laughs> we you're you're right like i i i think that we actually get the best outcomes centering the sex of sex work and putting right. this more under the framework of the like the lgbti umbrella of like you know when we stopped arresting gay people for being gay we didn't like create a regulatory agency like if you want to do butt stuff with your buddy you don't have to like fill out a form first we just stopped arresting consensual being, adults 
no, for we, having full sex with each other. Legalize it. Turn being gay well, into a money job. Whether money exchanged or not. <laughs> It's a workplace right. where you yeah, just go Yeah, now there's all these forms, gay. and there's a training. That's the next step on uh, right. Buddha Judge's uh, podcast. He's going to be <laughs> the gay professional. Um, it's going to be a division I, under Biden. I'm, I'm sorry, I, have one, I have one more point to Good. Sure Good. about legalization. So legalization at its at its heart, right, it, even if it's framed as, you know, like women's health or such, is creates a two-tiered system of people who are operating legally, right, and people who are are not right. So imagine uh, you're in a legal system where you have to, you know, have a, a license and report to an agency. If you don't do those things and you're still engaging in sex work, then you have none of the legal protections. You're just as vulnerable, if not more so, than in a system uh, of full criminalization because you're 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 operating outside of the legal system. So this is it's a it's a system that's like almost designed to oppress further oppress the most marginalized. Mm -hmm. People who can't participate whether it's because of their immigration status, right, or just like capacity issues or like like for whatever reason someone who isn't willing to like do the thing to work legally, whether it's as onerous as Nevada or you know even something less stringent. You're yeah. still creating a an Well well this kind of issue fries a lot of uh, labor people's brains because it is counterintuitive but i mean there's a, a parallel here in the decriminalization of like drugs in a lot of ways because what you're describing is you know i, I guess people just really don't like that it's a, a job that probably would not be opportune at this very moment in history to turn into like a you know a, a workplace but it's it's because you know a workplace in the U.S. right now is not a very good thing to be. So maybe wait until things overall get better before you try to make that yeah. leap. Because yeah, make make sure yeah make sure you check yourself before you propose the Amazonification of sex work. That's a dystopian nightmare that nobody wants. <laughs> and with the, like marijuana okay. legalization, you can see like there what we kind of did in a lot of ways is create like oh yeah, rich white people can sell drugs now, where everybody else is still out pushed outside of the system. You can't get a fucking license. Right. Your state doesn't legalize You're it or whatever. It's just creating barriers, right? You know, like whether you have to pay for that license or whether you have to talk to a social worker to get that license. And it's just invite, like legalization and the creation of more regulation in this space is just an invitation for more policing, right? Now you have to pay regulators. Now you have to pay inspectors. Now you're empowering police officers to go and check people's ID. It's not better you know best case scenario in that situation you're just changing what the paperwork says when you're arresting people yeah i mean i do think weed is a little different because that's not like a person that you're consuming you know yeah. so i like and the, the regulations yeah, are yeah unequal but you could you know like some of the plans that I, yeah uh, i see i see better reasons to regulate weed than i do yeah, people right sure. yeah like sure yeah, yeah. Has anybody ever um, done the Lorax, but he just loves weed? <laughs> oh, he speaks for it. I mean, if you look at that guy. I yeah, speak I like for it. the weed. <laughs> that dude's on, yeah, that dude's got to be reefing. He's on something else, brother. Yeah, it speaks through me. Um, <laughs> well, so let's talk about decrim a little bit and what that would look like um has it existed in another country um you know what what are we working with in that framework why do why do a lot of sex workers totally. like that model yeah i think the best the best example of full decriminalization that we've seen is new zealand which fully uh decriminalized adult consensual prostitution in 2003 um and actually 
the way that it works. So the way that it works there is uh, if you are a sole proprietor, if you're working by yourself, then there's no way for you to do sex work illegally unless you're hurting someone else. Um, like you're just, it, there, like there's no paperwork or anything that you have to do. You can on a whim charge somebody to bar and like that's totally cool. But if there's more nice. than three people, right? So if it's four or more people, then you have to apply for a business license and then all of the worker protections that they have in New Zealand suddenly apply, right? So you can work with a friend or like another, but once there's like four or more of you, then you have to make sure that you're doing whatever New Zealand's like, I'm sure incredibly progressive and awesome labor laws are. Uh, and that's when, um, but the the rule there is that you can't like it, to apply for a brothel license is just like applying for any other business license. There's not like extra special stuff involved. Um, they did create a civil fine uh, that is not criminal um, that if you are caught uh, engaging in risky sex or like not using a condom then you can be fined two thousand dollars and the genius behind oh, no. this policy is that it's well right but it's not policed it's not like they're sending undercover cops trying to entrap women into or trying to entrap sex yeah. workers into engaging in unprotected sex this is our it's top officer something. raw dog donald <laughs> uh, <gross. laughs> uh, oh man wow uh no but it's just like if you know, if a client tries to pressure a sex worker in New Zealand into engaging in unprotected sex, then it's some, they can be like, okay, cool, that'll be $2,000. So it gives them more leverage mm -hmm. to do self-advocacy rather than this, like, policing that happens. Gets and STD nice. rates uh, have fallen, uh, reported rates have fallen, uh, reported rapes, uh, and it's the only country that has, like, almost eliminated um, trafficking within the sex trade, which is pretty cool. So what? if you're but in New think, Zealand sorry. and you want to fuck one of mm -hmm. the – you want to charge one of the, the Flight of the Concords guys for a handy, you can just <laughs> do it. But if you want to bring in mm -hmm. Jermaine, the other guy, then it becomes a civil issue. And if <laughs> Murray doesn't want to use a condom, you can legally – think. I think they have an episode about are allowed this. everywhere. You think what? Orgies are allowed everywhere. But if it's for money. Not in my house. <laughs> okay. there, uh, there was this great there's this great story that like when I hear it, I'm like, this is the future sex workers want. It's just like a dream of what community policing could look like in right. a in a decriminalized world. There was a young, there's a young woman uh, engaged in perfectly uh, not illegal sex work in New Zealand, had a client, uh, they did their session together, and then he didn't pay her. Mm. And so she called the police, and he called the client and was like, hey, bro, do you want to pay her, or do you want me to write you a citation? Because that's not allowed. Right. Yeah, like, there you I, go. I thought that was amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Imagine if the cop was there to arrest that person right. instead, right? It's like that right. simple. For violating boundaries, right? Yeah. They're gonna instead lock of... up Banders for being anti-orgy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's happened. Close yeah. the aren't welcome about... here in New Zealand, Anders. Is this well, Anders Lee DC... House? The sex police are here. <laughs> well dc they the lizard uh illuminati like they'll pick a random apartment every other night and insist that you allow them to have a child sex orgy and in your home oh and, yeah yeah sure. if you don't cooperate so you're raised you by your environment you're saying you've been yeah. conditioned this way yes <laughs> 
That's right. too bad. Right. John Legend should go to jail. <laughs> yeah, I think I read a Melissa Garrett Grant book where she talks about New Zealand a little bit, and there's yeah. like it's a good example, and then a bad example. I think is Thailand where uh, there's yeah. like heavy policing, and uh, yeah, right. they like try to liberate sex workers from it all the time and they actually like, escape and go back into it because the jobs they put yeah, you they, in outside of it are there's a despotic king it's, they they, right. they create labor so the the you know it's the non-profit industrial complex or like they the usa forced or like the, the united states right forced thailand to criminalize prostitution even though they're like their culture like that wasn't that wasn't something that like Thai people were asking for. It was something we did to them to crack down on human trafficking. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. And instead all of these anti-trafficking organizations started kidnapping women who were engaged in sex work and forcing them to do uh, slave labor essentially. And so women are like escaping from these homes where they are like trapped doing menial, menial labor for no money as a, as a part of an international effort to, uh, liberate women from the horrible horrible uh act of of having sex for money yeah and i and mean instead are doing yeah it's you're, not you're, not right you're walking no, around over there there's the this goddamn king is walking around with his his you know sports bra on you're gonna get horny right and then <laughs> you know then it's illegal to Right. Need to take care of your your boner real quick. Come on, your needs. But it, one really, or the other. It's a really interesting. It, it's a really good example of how like the criminalization doesn't. It's like aggressively criminalized only in a way that sort of like disempowers the workers because like there's obviously lots of very public sex work happening in Thailand, right? It's still a sex tourism destination. It's just that the workers themselves have very little agency because they're fearing the police on the one hand. And it's like, it's more to fear. And we see a very similar dynamic in, in the history of this country. We didn't aggressively criminalize prostitution until the 1900s, right? When we criminalized prostitution and alcohol and abortion all at the same time. Uh, and that's when you start to see pimps because we close down the brothels. We shut down the madams. Uh, and we force people like out into public spaces and then we start rounding them up for engaging in prostitution and they're less likely to be picked up by the police if they have a male escort or if they have a man who's able to freely move a route in the world without being accused of being a whore bringing bringing clients to them and so the the invention like the pimp is a direct result of criminalization yeah I remember, I remember with the Thailand stuff, I'm remembering this now, like almost 20 years ago, watching uh, Dateline in 2020, one of those shows, and they like had this thing about Thailand, and they interviewed Colin Powell, and all these like dentists from America would go over and go to brothels, and uh, that was a way of like sort of justifying crackdown for whatever like geopolitical thing. It's the for US the needed. dentists. Yeah. Think but, of like, the dentists. <laughs> But but one like, thing that still does kind of like sway me from that is there were a lot of like young, like children. Uh, is there like a self-regulating mechanism to prevent child or child I mean, sex work? Yeah, I mean, like New Zealand is a country that like fully decriminalized adult consensual prostitution, right? Uh -huh. And so, like, I think the important thing to remember about decriminalization, especially in like the culture that we live in, is like we're not. That doesn't decriminalize rape. It doesn't decriminalize right. pedophilia. It doesn't decriminalize, uh, you know, kidnapping. Right? We're not. We're not talking about. Uh, so there are a lot of economic forces and like cultural 
shit that went behind the sort of like child labor market in Thailand. And there's like a lot of different kinds of child labor, right? Sex work is is one kind, but like there's also other kinds of exploited uh, exploited labor. So arresting those kids doesn't help, but bringing things like black markets are better for bad actors generally, right? right. So you see, um, yeah, it's like, I, I think it's, like when you when you're in a place and it's illegal to have sex with a minor, it's not more legal if you're paying them, uh, uh-huh. even in a decriminalized world. Okay. But now the person who is underage or potentially like an exploited victim is no longer committing a crime by accepting that money. So if they want to report a rape or a kidnapping or an act of violence, there are no barriers there. Whereas right now, it like when you have a criminalized act, it's a it's a barrier to reporting. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because you'd be turning yourself in, and there's also like the you know the the end of policing thing of like sort of thing will probably happen a lot less if right. we just reinvest in the community, and then there won't be like people right. that feel the need to go like, to a black market. I I think you know like in the in the wake of Epstein and like with the QAnon doing God knows what to our fucking national discourse around <laughs> child everything. I think it's really important to look at like what child trafficking like has meant historically and what it means now, because it's often like, remember the satanic panic, right? Remember the white slave panic of the 1910s. It's like bad actors have a tendency to get our emotions all wrapped up to protect the children. And it, it's a mask for a lot of really bad things. And a lot of underage people that are engaged in sex work in this country are queer youth who are running away from, uh, you know, an unaccepting home, uh, people who are fleeing abuse, uh, you know, people who are, are trying to get their survival needs met. The solution here is not to arrest their clients, but to fund more shelters for youth. You know, it's like give folks better alternatives for getting their survival needs met. Don't carcerally crack down on you know the part of the part of their survival strategy that that you don't like. Yeah, know? which is I'm not I'm not an apologist for underage sex work. That's not what I'm here to say. But like, right. there is just it's there isn't actually a carceral solution to this problem. No, I, I want to talk about oh, that a little of- bit because uh, I I've talked about this a lot, but it's maybe been a minute, and it's kind of a thing that I uh, was repeating a lot when I uh, had a run-in with ICE because uh, it's it made things kind of fall into place for me when I talked to this Homeland Security agent and I asked him like what do you like tell me what ICE does like what's going on here what are you defending he said uh, you know we fight human trafficking and I noticed that right around that time SESTA FOSTA had gotten passed and it had gotten passed uh, with largely with the help of like fucking Amy Schumer and Seth Meyers and all these liberals, right? But if yeah. you look into the fucking bill, it's you know it's, it was written and, and fought for originally by like hard right evangelical Christians who have Lindsey a fucking Graham. mission here. Yeah, they you know they, they have an intention which is patriarchy, right? Yeah. But they were able to yeah. sell this with like to both sides of the aisle by using the specter of human trafficking to like, yes. like you can you can convince a liberal to, to fucking vote for something like that if you're like oh it's you know it's anti-feminist and all this stuff and, and the children thing right and the children thing it's a really yes. interesting propaganda tool because uh 
you know, we also have this rise of fascism happening right now, and the the big part of like white supremacist shit is the fourteen words, the they're coming to we need to protect yeah. our children thing. So there's this, it's it's yeah. a it's a, it's a really complicated issue because it's, human trafficking does exist, it, yeah. right? But Absolutely you need to recognize it our, when it's being used like yeah. this. Our our obsession with uh, the myth of trafficking actually does more to prevent us from from ha- from helping real trafficking victims. Right, and like this this happens all the time. So like the white slave law, which was passed in 1910, is very much a reaction to um, integration, right? And it's a way to demonize and criminalize black men in the name of protecting white women from something that wasn't happening to them there were people that were engaged in voluntary sex work but the man act um and the white slave law that i'm referencing made it a crime to transport women across state lines for immoral purposes and it was sold to the american public to protect the children and specifically to protect white women from animalistic right black men recently uh freed black men and also like a wave of immigrants and so this myth of righteous violence right is the the like the story fuel behind so much of the KKK and the Jim Crow laws. And it's all about like protecting, uh, protecting white women that shapeshifts. You see it again during the satanic panic. Um, and it's all about, we, we tell ourselves a lie about what child abuse looks like. We pretend it's like the other, right? For the satanic panic, it's a reaction to the gay rights movement, right? So the people who are committing these crimes are trans people and gay people and like queer folks and like the other. And so we must protect our nuclear family from this from this infection and this evil that's coming in to like, you know, feed on our children. And it's like, well, what's actually happening is that they're getting molested by their father or their uncle or like the person in their community. And right, we that's can't always see that like your because uncle. the story... The call is all—it's always coming from inside the house, right? So, like, but because we tell ourselves this myth about what it looks like, traffickers that are kidnapping our children from parking lots—it's like, no, it's you know your exploitative little league person that is you know talking your uh you know your your kid into doing things that they're uncomfortable with and they're afraid to tell you because of sex shame. You know, it's it's not the other coming into our communities. It's it's us. Right. But like these these laws and the stories that we tell about traffickers or blah 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 blah, it's a way of, you know, projecting um, our problems onto. Sorry, I had a clear no, point. Well, it's it's ago it's a fucking it. boogeyman, and it's it, most important to this is that if you are someone mm-hmm. who is concerned about that happening, the b- biggest thing to understand is that like Sesta Fosta did not fight human trafficking it fought not sex all. workers and ice yes. on using using the same boogeyman did yes. not fight human traffickers it, it just demonized immigrants and fucking yes, you know so, as traffickers right so it's same thing happened right that's why i'm always and, trying to cross sesta fosta and ice because it's the same boogeyman but instead uh, in one instance it's uh, patriarchy in the other instance it's white supremacy which is all part of the same fucking anxiety which, thing right? and they've been going yeah they've been they go together like peanut butter and jelly since before that was a sandwich but like ice is a perfect in a bad way yeah no not delicious not yeah. delicious but no, ICE is a perfect example because they're, and it, it's very similar to the, the the rescue operations that I was talking about in Thailand, is that they're out in the community being like, we're saving you from the bad traffickers who aren't going to make it because we're catching guard. And in the meantime, they're literally kidnapping children, putting them in fucking cages, and then best case scenario, getting them into a foster family that is, I don't know, 6,000% more likely to abuse them. They're engaged in all of the bad shit of trafficking 
but they're calling it protection, right? Right? Like that's, and so and, and in addition to that, um, you know, this demonization of immigrants, I think is a great example. This hyper-focus and the fetishization, I didn't say that right, but you get it. The like weird <laughs> obsession that I'm we- familiar with the word. Right, you get it. Uh, on like sex trafficking blinds us to the much larger systemic issue of labor trafficking and exploitation in this country. There are people who are fucking chained to their beds, engaged in agricultural work, right? There are people who are living in in like cases of real slavery as domestic labors, but we can't see it because it doesn't look like a teenage girl chained to a radiator. All right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you mentioned bad actors earlier, and I uh, wanted to mention one, uh, Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> who has. Uh, I fucking knew you were going to do that. See, that yeah. guy's old enough to that guy's old enough to know better. I feel way better about shitting on Ashton Kutcher than I do Bella Thorne, who is like everyone's allowed to be stupid. Oh, he's a, he Funnily should know enough. better. He's a sapiosexual, which means he's <laughs> got a huge brain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he has an organization that's called Intersexual. So it's maybe it was inspired by Bella Thorne. I don't know, but Thorne is just, it was. maybe yeah. It's been around for eleven years, and uh, well, that'd be I remember reading. Was that if he named it after her when she was like nine? Ah, yeah, that's yeah. Pro probably. It was like I want to. I'm obsessed with Thorne, and I need to channel that obsession into mm -hmm. you know curing myself. Uh, like these big. This is a tangent, but. In St. Paul, Minnesota, they used to have these billboards when I was in high school, these like the billboards and uh, bus station signs. And they said, are you having sexual thoughts about children? And it would just have this guy Jesus with Christ. like hands on his head like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to get do. It's the, get them yeah. out. The, the, the it, subway got stick figure guys, you know, <laughs> it's like, are you a pedophile? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like. It was a it was funny. Like kids laughed at the, the sign, but they had a number for people to call, and that's like that's the best way to deal with it. Is like get people, you yeah. know, don't stigmatize it. Get people, you know, they can privately call this number and get therapy. If but, I uh, had grown yeah, up there, I would have grabbed my friend's phone and dialed that fucking phone number every time I saw it. Sure, them. so fast. <laughs> so I think Dan, Dan Savage has some of the smartest things to say uh, that I've heard about, like pedophilia and how to how to address that and deal with that. And like, yeah. spoiler alert, uh, shame isn't working. So, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the that's the next third rail. But but yeah, but with Kutcher, his thing was Thorne, named after Bella. And I remember reading this article, I'm having trouble finding it, but he just made up a shitload of statistics about human trafficking well, and sex we, trafficking. I I'm sorry. I don't want to defend Ashton Kutcher no, too no. much, but in his defense, the entire anti trafficking movement has just been making up banana pants numbers the whole time. So like, yeah. I'm sure he was repeating some nonsense that was said to him by somebody who told him that they knew. Right. I hear like 300 million children a year. And it's like, dude, if that was happening, like you'd know someone, trust me. That's math at that point. And it's one of those things where it's like, they get away with it because nobody wants to be the one who's like, I, I actually think you're exaggerating the risk of- uh, <laughs> No, 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 it's only 12,000. Into... It's like, no one wants to. 
the punked yeah. the punked guy would never lie to us. Why <laughs> question Kelso? But now, hey, I'm the TV actor Ashton Kutcher. I sure do like punking people. But there's one thing that's not punked, and that's being sold for sex in the black market. <laughs> You know what is punk rock is stopping sex trafficking is what he would say. <laughs> but he uh, the the now the organization is using Amazon AI to rescue children. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some other hidden hidden uh, benefits, shall we say, that Amazon is, is getting from this information. Oh, you don't think it's a good idea uh, that, and- that Amazon is sending drones to steal children from. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want Amazon sticking the police on people? That's not the future everyone wants? That's not well, they're gonna really? Be, they're going to be one in a, just a few years. Amazon will have taken over our, our police departments. We may have but missed they, that vote. Yeah. yeah. But they, uh, you know, they're talking about, oh, thousands, thousands, millions of kids are out there getting trafficked. Uh, but by the end of 2016, they had just brought 103 minors yeah. to safety, which good for those kids, but... I don't know. This seems it's, like uh, could be done a little no, differently. No, you're absolutely right. And so, like one of that's one of the you know the, one of the reasons um, you know there's a lot of financial interests in yeah. conflating adult consensual sex work with trafficking for exactly this reason, right? Like federal budgets and big nonprofit organizations, their funding is dependent on their ability to call adult consensual sex workers trafficking victims, right? right. And so. Uh, and, you know, the, the FBI in 2000, uh, I think it was 19, released their report. Um, 90% of their uh, anti-trafficking budget was spent on arresting consensual adult sex workers. Like, it's not, wow. we're not helping people. That's not what's happening here. Yeah. ICE does the same thing. What they do is they just, they, they have these huge statistics like to show off. They're like, well, we, you know, observed and uh, reported and arrested so many people for human trafficking. But all they're doing is just redefining various things as human trafficking and then arresting a bunch of people for it. One exactly. thing is driving over state lines in your own car. You're trafficking your fucking mm-hmm. self. So, you know, it's just a big, like, trick. And like this isn't new, you know. This is this is not the first moral panic we've had. This is not the first sex panic. Like you know, and the, these, I think, understanding the history here really helps people see things for what they are. Because you know, everyone wants to protect vulnerable kids. I get it. Just paying cops to hunt them, not the best solution. Yeah, and the the you you can also see the signs. I guess for me, for whatever reason, it's always made sense to understand what the boogeyman is and why there is one. That's an explanation, and like the the constant need to imply that that there are secret pedophiles in this world is uh you know the same thing they did with gay people when and we figured that shit out as a culture over the last few decades. You know, now not everyone thinks every gay man is also a pedophile. Yeah, right. some in Massachusetts now, thanks to uh, a couple. Smear campaigns might still need some convincing, but yeah, overall, it's, it's we've made progress. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. Uh, where should we go from here? Maybe tell us a little bit about your podcast, and we'll kind of round this thing down. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, the oldest podcast where we, uh, yeah, every every episode we tell a different story about an old pro from history. So you know, if this the oldest profession, it has a history. I feel like we've been. Um, erased from the the national and the global narrative on this. And I think, you know, again, as I was saying before, like the, the story that we tell ourselves about trafficking gets in the way of us being able to see the very real violent exploitation that's all around us. It's just not 
in the form of child sex slavery. The story that we tell about prostitution, I think, gets in the way of our ability to see all of the incredible contributions that sex workers have made and continue to make. Um, and so that's what the podcast is all about, is about um, elevating our stories because they're awesome. That sounds really cool. And I think, yeah, history is obviously very illuminating. It's also very fun. I've been thinking about the ship full of Civil War sex workers the entire time I've been doing right. this. I'm imagining it like uh, there's a Mickey Mouse you know, kind of driving it up and down the river. <laughs> Great. This is going to stick in my head and make me understand that that happened and probably give me a better context in which to understand the history of sex work. <laughs> Yeah, these women are sinful. <laughs> oh, oh is it they're only ones out there talking. Weird. <laughs> they're just like a bunch of those cows that put their hands in the air. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, anybody else have any questions or anything? I, I have one question briefly. Uh, I would love to get your take if you have one on the movie Showgirls. Uh, mm. Is that is that the one with? Mariah Carey, or is that the one with Cher? No. I get. Uh, I don't no. think Cher's in. Either. It's with. Well, I asked yes. about oh, no. it because the Bella Thorne. The ignorance about showgirls in this world. <laughs> it's it's, it's to me more out of Ash control. Ashton Kutcher's. No, 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 no. That's that's uh, Demi Moore is um uh different one. Fuck, what is it called? It, like, I'll look I know it up. you're talking about. I like. Yeah, so well, it, maybe maybe I've seen this movie and yeah. maybe I haven't. Or maybe I've seen it and I'm just going to call it a wrong name. So, like, yeah. All right. Well, I asked because uh, the the Bella Thorne store reminded me of what happened with Elizabeth Berkley, who was the, who was the, um, uh, the striptease, by the way, is the Demi Moore, ah, right. uh, which came out a year later. But with Showgirls, Elizabeth Berkley had been this child star, like Bella Thorne. She was in Saved by the Bell. And then she does this movie oh, about being a stripper who then becomes like a sort of a burlesque dancer mm -hmm. and people were horrified and it like really hurt her career and yeah. people called it the worst movie of all time. And then lately people have been rewatching it and been like, no, this was, this is good. You, it was just the nineties and yeah. people were like, we hated sexually... women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have full disclosure, I haven't seen that film, but it okay. sounds more like, uh, you know, this this presumably like really talented actress was the victim of horphobia that like she played a role and we reacted to it through our narrow lens. And I, I right. the fact that people hated it so much tells me that like maybe she was challenging narratives. Like if she ended up dead at the end of that movie, we would be like, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she spoil. I don't want to spoil anything, but she uh, she doesn't die. I will say. Well, there you well, go. See, well, that's that's, that's why it was spoiled again. Kind of a spoiler. It's kind of a spoiler, but you need to know that before going. It it doesn't fall into that. That would be a trope. It's a thirty year old movie. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Not yeah. a spoiler. She doesn't die at the end. <laughs> yeah, that is a trope. A dead hooker thing. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we just, you know, we love to pun. It's the same thing that we were doing to gay characters for like all of movies until, you know, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tropes the, of the right? past where yeah. hookers were disposable humans that were dead and gay men were like arch villains. Hilarious. Yeah. They're always yeah. like trying to yeah. kill Batman and shit. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Jafar. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys. Jafar gay? 
He was gay coded. Yeah, there was... a lot of the Disney villains are coded gay. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. know about? It's funny that you use that disposable language. Do you guys know about uh, the practice of police officers putting uh, NHI uh, on missing persons uh, for sex workers and drug users and also homeless folks? Uh, no. What is, is NHI? Stands for No Humans Involved. So it deprioritizes uh, the case. So this is one of the reasons mm. that serial killers. Uh-huh. target sex workers um and it's right. you know and it's it's a reflection of our values as a society you know there was you know, another black trans woman um who died in um in rikers because she was be she had a seizure in solitary confinement and she was being held on charges of prostitution like here's a you know here's a woman being put to death right being ignored to death uh by the state for the harm of making people come to for money to so that she could afford to live um you know, it's and like and the, the predatory nature, you know, it's yeah, it, it's it's awful. I'm sorry, that's not the note that you wanted to end. On. No, I thought my podcast funny is joke. awesome. Please listen to it, but we are killing Did you so spoil many. Spoil a different movie. I thought of a, <laughs> a bit about dis, the, the, the disposable human trope. It would be funny if there was a guy who was trying to be woke, but he was really bad at it, and he was like, "I hey, listen, I don't think you hookers are disposable. I think you're reusable. You know, like a camera." Ah. Still thinks. Oh, Still thinks that it's a object that is for use. I don't know. Um, that went over a lot better in my head. All right. Well, listen, guys. <laughs> Sex work is work, and OnlyFans has been uh, temporarily changed for the worse, which is going to destabilize the workers that use it. And if you think that that's a thing that can affect you, well, buddy, if you're one of our listeners that is also a podcaster, we all use a worse version of OnlyFans called Patreon. And <laughs> we all need to think about this stuff because at any point, some uh-huh. fucking asshole actor could decide to research a role where they're, uh, you know, playing the life of Anders or something and they need to make a podcast and then they pull some bullshit like that and fuck up the yeah, platform born to play Anders. that we use to survive <laughs> in this Matthew world. Modine. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, yeah. I think, um, oh, you Matt know, Matt Damon, fuck off. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that means you're in a Kevin Smith movie. I would fucking hate if Kevin Smith directed <laughs> our shit. I, thirteen-year-old me, would be ecstatic. Yeah, actually, it all kind of makes sense. Yeah, Alex would be the my name is Earl guy. Um, <laughs> all right. Caitlin would be the Lannis Morissette. He's the cool one. And I guess I guess I'd just be Kevin Smith. Ugh. All right, I hate this. Um. <laughs> Plugs, everyone. Let's do some plugs and get the fuck out of here. Caitlin, uh, once again, where can my listeners find your uh, podcast and follow you? Yeah, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Old Pro Podcast. We've got season three coming out soon. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, the oldest profession, and you can also find me on the internet uh, at Caitlin Bailey everywhere. Uh, spelled weird, but you'll find it. All right. Anybody else? Uh, at Anders Lee here on Twitter, Dursley One Instagram. Phone bank for Jess Scarain is a thing you can do. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. I don't know why I said that. Not we don't endorse, but <laughs> it's one activity. It's a plug in a way. Yeah. Um, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes. Uh, if you'd like to hear a podcast about someone who's had sex exactly two times, I'm talking about Goku. <laughs> uh, listen to the Ball and Out Super Podcast, where we discuss such things and then mostly other stuff. 
It's badly organized is what I'm saying. Please listen. Oh, yeah, because he has two kids, but he never fucks. And he's very virginal. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, I had a joke and I forgot it. Fuck it. All right, uh, abolish time. If you want to be part of my time abolition project, <laughs> can make a subsection of our listeners. I'll come up with a cool name. We'll be, you know, the time lords or something weird like time that. Time freaks. Time freaks, time wizards. And uh, we'll start a side project that was there. The day I became a time freak. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we have merch for sale. I'm gonna. I, we're making a new design. We're gonna have new shirts and stuff. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. Listen to my other podcast. Why you mad? Uh, if you want to hear me talk about all sorts of weird pop culture stuff and theory shit with my friend Luisa Diaz, and uh, I think that's it. I'm gonna play us out on that goddamn Nelly Furtado song that Alex texted me during yes! this episode. <laughs> Uh, enjoy. It's a real song and it needs to be elevated. I'm not happy about this, but you know, there are rules to these things. Uh, all right. Thank you. It's finished. It's finished. Nope. Didn't think so. How you doing, young lady? The feeling that you're giving really drives me crazy. You don't have a play about the trunk. I was at a loaf of word first time that we spoke. You're looking for a girl that'll treat you right. You're looking for in the daytime with the light.